Today is a day of great blessing. Today is the anniversary of the passing of our Rebetzin, Rebetzin Chaimushka. And it's the 22nd day of the month. 22 in Hebrew is related to blessing. It says in Breshit, chapter 48, verse 20, Yisrael. In you, the Jewish people will be blessed. So through 22, the blessings come. What's 22? 22 is today, the 22nd day of Shabbat. It's a day when blessings come to the Jewish people. And not just one blessing, but a dominoes, domino effect of blessings for each of us and all of us until uh, the main blessing that we're all praying for every day, the, the Geula, the true Geula to Mashiach Tzakeinu. So let's say to bring the bracha down for ourselves and our families and all of Israel, and especially for Hashem Kreva, for Baruch HaKreim and Chayim and Rivka, and for Mechor Aviv, Mechor Ben Miriam, and the Tzal and Peril, who's for them for a full Kreva Shleimah, Mechayim. One of the things that could upset a blessing is jealousy. There are um, many people who have take money that they don't have to buy things that they don't need to impress impress people that they don't like. Okay. You hear that? I mean, it's a, I do that all day long. You buy things you don't need to impress people to, 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 with money you don't have to impress people that you don't like. That's only Persian people. <laughs> hey, only. hey, no, no, no racial, no racial no, uh, statements over here. <laughs> so there are there are uh, you, you, sometimes you meet somebody who has just paid for his child's wedding, huge wedding, three hundred thousand dollar wedding, and the guy you know the guy can't afford it. You're like, why did you do it? And he's like, how would they look at me if I didn't do it? <laughs> and it's a real thing. And this is very le- relevant to this Torah portion. This Torah portion read about the Ten Commandments. And the last of the Ten Commandments is Lo Tachmod. Lo Tachmod means don't be jealous. Of your neighbor. Don't be jealous. And there's actually another statement in the Torah, Lo Tachmod, don't want what someone else wants. We'll see what, what those two uh, sentences mean. But there is um, a lot of history when it comes to jealousy. Jealousy begins in the beginning of, the, of creation. The Torah says that the sun was, the moon was jealous of the sun because the sun was uh, bigger than the moon and uh, the sun ruled by day and God made the moon smaller because it was jealous of the sun it says that that the serpent was jealous of Adam that he was married to Eve and it says that Joseph's brothers are jealous of Joseph so we find jealousy throughout throughout all of history and the question is how do we deal with this just, just for a Wachik perspective, the, the idea of lo tachmod, not to be jealous, means if you know somebody has something, you want to buy it from them, and you offer them money to make, to make you offer them three times, you say, sell this to me, sell this to me, sell this to me, you're transgressing the law of the Torah lo tachmod. The guy has something that you want to buy, and you're pushing him to sell to you again and again. That's only if you're a regular guy, but if you're, a, you're an important person, so then just by you asking even one time, you know, that, that could put pressure. If you're able to buy that thing from another person, you put pressure, you should sell it. Some say that their prohibition is only if he, if he, if he gives it to you without money. You say, give it to me, give it to me, without, without, the, without paying. Others say, it's, even if you give money. But yeah. since you're pressuring the sale, it's, it's, a, it's a prohibition. So the question is, how can we prevent ourselves from doing this? I mean, just, just parenthetically, 
It's not a prohibition. If I see that Saz parks a car, parks his car, and he has a great, uh, I don't know what we have now, but we used to have a nice uh, Range Rover. What did you have? It was a Range Rover. Yeah. Long time ago. <laughs> anyway, so... G-Wagon. G-Wagon. So I, I see he has a nice G-Wagon, and I say, I want to get a G-Wagon. That's okay. BMG. If I want to get his, if I get his G-Wagon, <laughs> if I want to get his G-Wagon, that's an issue. If I want to get a G-Wagon, that's not so bad. But if I want to get his G-Wagon, if I, if I see he has a nice cell phone, get the same cell phone, that's not, that's not what I'm talking about. But if I want to get something that he ha- that is his, that and I and I try to get that away from him, according to the Rambam, the moment I think in my head, how do I get this? How do I get him to sell it to me? That's the prohibition of Tachma. Really? Wow. According to the tour, it doesn't matter if I'm able to get it or not. Even if I know there's no way in the world I'm going to get this thing. There's no way in the world I'm going to get this thing. He has, let's say, some, some, some skyscraper in Iran. I know they're not going to let me into Iran <laughs> because I have a, you know, an Israeli passport or something, whatever. I'm not, going to, I'm not going to ever get that thing. However, even if I know I'm not going to get it, just I bring it into my head, how could I get this? That is already the prohibition of, of not to be jealous. And the question is, how can we get control of our thoughts? And to really be in control, we can control our words, Sometimes, you know, you say the wrong thing, but ultimately, you can, get, you can control your words. Your actions, you can control. But how can you control your thoughts? How is that possible? So the Ebenezer actually says that uh, it's, it, it, many people wonder about this mitzvah, not to be jealous. We not to be jealous. People feel how they feel. And so too, Nachmanides asks a similar question. What does the Torah mean over here? Don't think what you want. I mean, you think what you think. What, what's the Torah doing? We know the Torah doesn't ask us to do things that angels could do. The Torah asks things that we could do. So if the Torah is telling us not to be jealous, it must be something that we're able to do. The question is, how is that possible? And jealousy is really not a good thing. I mean, jealousy doesn't, take, doesn't give you anything. It doesn't give the person you're jealous of anything. It doesn't, uh, you, you don't, in fact, jealousy hurts you. You don't gain anything through jealousy. Jealousy hurts you. The Gemara actually uses the words, when you're jealous of someone, your bones rot. And the words of the Gemara are interpreted to mean not that they, they rot in the future. They rot right now. When, while you're alive, your bones are rotting if you're jealous. Not just your bones are rotting, but the Hebrew word for bones is essence. Atzamot comes from the word atzmiut. Your very core is rotten when you're in a jealous mode. So it's really not something that you, that you like that you like to be. And people who are jealous, it's really, a, it's, really, it's really sad. You see someone who's jealous of other people, they're not living in a good space. They're living in a very, very dark place. And really, when someone's jealous, what happens is, is that they may have a lot of great blessings, may have been blessed with phen- phenomenal, fantastic things, but they're, they're losing sight of all the good things they have because they're jealous of what someone else has. And they, they don't know all the things that they have because they're so focused on what someone else has. And they're, and they're, they're, living, in a, they're living in a dark place despite all the things that, that, that they have. And this is something that actually happened to the snake Torah says that when God created the snake, the snake was had feet. Yeah. The snake had a hands. You guys are familiar with the snake. It sounds like it must work in downtown. Anyways, so the the, 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 the snake had feet. The snake had hands, and it could have been like the lion, the king of all the animals. Could have been, but then the snake was jealous of Adam. He wanted to marry Eve. He wanted to marry Chava. So what happened to the snake is not only did he not when you're jealous of someone says a Talmud, not only do you not get what you want, you also lose what you have. So what happened to the snake? The Talmud uses this expression. The snake wanted to marry Eve, and he lost his hands and feet. Is that jealousy or lust? How did they compare? It, how, did, how did they communicate? It's a it's a lust that bore that gave birth to jealousy because he lusted her. Therefore, he was jealous. He wanted what what Adam had. The Talmud says 
that it, the camel wanted to have wings, and the end is that the camel lost its ears. The camel wanted wings, and the camel lost its ears. So there is a um, interesting ears. Ears. It was just, so the snake also. The snake wanted something that, that wanted to be like Adam. And ended up losing what it had. It was able to walk around it on hands, and it could have been the king of all, all animals, but it lost everything because it was jealous. The Talmud uses this expression. The Talmud says, "Who is foolish? Who is foolish? Someone who loses whatever they have." In a similar way, when you're jealous, you don't have anything. When you're jealous of other people, you're constantly affected by the thing that you want that the person has, and you're just in a different zone. So you don't, you, well, all that you have, you don't really have it. And it could be like a little bit of jealousy that really ruins ruins a person's life. So, this is the reason why the very last of the Ten Commandments this week is don't be jealous. Why is the last Ten Commandments? So the, the Rabbeinu Bachaye says the reason it's the last one is because if you don't, it's a, it's the last of a of a of ten ten commandments. What's the first ten commandments? Believing in God. The Rabbeinu Bachaye says when you're jealous of someone, that means you're also missing your belief in God. Jealousy and believing in God, you're missing. if you're jealous, he says, you're going to end up transgressing all the commandments. Jealousy can lead to transgressing all of them. And more, the Medrash says, the Midrash says, that if you keep the last one, it's as if you keep all of them. There's something about keeping this mitzvah that puts us in the right place, it's as if we keep all of them. So we need to understand ex- exactly what is this power of jealousy, what does it mean? And how come if you don't keep it, it's like you went against the whole Torah. If you do keep it, so you keep the whole Torah. Well, how does it connect with believing in God? What, what, what does this mean? So, it says in Sefer HaChinuch that the greatest power we have in ourselves is our power of thoughts, power to think. That's where man, um, that's where man really is able to, uh, that's your essence, that's your core, how you, th- how you look at the world, how you think about things. That's, that's your essence. You know, Mendel Futafasal he was once by a Fabrengen, by a Hasidic gathering, like we have to, right here. And one guy was studying during the Fabrengen. Mendel didn't like that. He said, Tell me, when do you have pure thoughts? Like when you're sitting together with other Jews and, 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 and by a Fabrengen, it's something special. Our thoughts are something which are very powerful. There was once a scientific uh, study done about monkeys. You know, people think that, God forbid, is not true, but people think that people come from monkeys. So they did this, this research to try to, uh, you know, to, to, to align things. So, so they had, <laughs> asked his family, asked his family to adopt a monkey. So the family adopts a monkey, and the monkey was doing pretty well in the family. In fact, the monkey was advanced far beyond the, the, the other members of the family, and many children, and you know, they had, they had Yanko, Schmerl, Beryl, and the and, and, uh, monkey. And, uh, and the monkey was, was, was able to advance faster than the babies in the family, but that was only in, in, from the physical perspective. From the intellectual, he trailed behind. So they once did this thing. They, they played a game with a monkey. The game was, they took a bunch of cards. and Some each samples. They took a bunch of cards, and one side of the card was, was a... Some cards had a picture of a monkey on them. Some cards a picture of a p- person on them. And everyone was supposed to put the cards in a certain pile. Either put the card in, in the pile of the people, or put the cards in the pile of the uh, of the monkeys. So the monkey, everyone puts the everyone in the family is able to do this game easily. You know, this 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 belongs here, this belongs there. And it comes the monkey's turn. The monkey knows what he looks like. You know, the monkey sees himself in the mirror all the time. 
When the monkey got to the card of, his, of the monkey, he put the monkey card in the side of the humans. The power of, of thought was able to, he thought about them, they were so nice to him, so kind to him, yeah, I'm one of the family, man. I'm, you know, Shmerel, Battle, and Monkey. We're, 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 all, we're all one family. So that's how powerful our, our thoughts are. Sometimes you, you could see the power of the good from the way the Talmud describes the, the opposite, the negative. The Talmud says it's worse to think about doing the wrong thing than to do the wrong thing. It's worse to think about the wrong thing than to do the wrong thing. Why is that? So Maimonides says, because... Human being, his his thoughts are the highest, most precious part of the person, and therefore, if you think the wrong things, you're you're hurting a very deep part of yourself. The Zohar says something else. The Zohar says it's our our thoughts are parallel to the holiest place in the Beit Hamikdash. So you can go against God, let's say you know in Africa somewhere, in, in Japan somewhere, but you go against God in God's temple. That's considered more of a weighty crime. In a similar way, to, to go against God with your thoughts, that's considered more severe because that's the holiest part of yourself. So our thoughts are, are, are so powerful. And the question is, not just how can we can control our thoughts not to be jealous, but really how to be satisfied with what we have. How to really be happy with what we have. The Midrash gives the following analogy. There was, a, there was once a, a bird who was put in a cage. And the bird had all its food it needed, right? It's in a cage and its master gave it all its food. Another bird looks at this other bird in the cage and says, Wow, you are so lucky. Look at what you got. You got all the things you need right there in the cage for you. And the other bird says to the free bird, he says, You're looking at my food. You're not looking at my, at my prison. We, we, we tend to look at things only from one perspective and one angle, not see the whole thing. So many people say, when a tortoise is not to be jealous, how do you achieve not being jealous? Some people say this. They say... The way to not to be jealous is by the last words the Ten Commandments are, don't be jealous of your friend's wife, of your friend's house, of your, of your, of your friend's uh, G-Wagon, or whatever it is. Actually, that's not in the Torah. Sorry, it wasn't, that wasn't there. That was, that was added. That was an advertisement. Anyways, for and all that belongs to your friend. So add the words, and all that belongs to your friend. Why does it add the words, and all that belongs to your friend? If you look at the whole picture, you won't be jealous. You may look at one detail and then you say, oh, I wish I could switch places with this person. <laughs> but if you look at the whole picture, you're not going to be jealous. That's what some say. But the problem with that explanation is, come on, you are able to diffuse some of your jealousy by thinking about that, by thinking the other person may have lots of wealth and lots of this, but doesn't have other things. But you're not able to completely eradicate jealousy with that kind of paradigm, that kind of way of thinking. It may, it may take away some of the energy of the jealousy, but it's, it's still there. The answer really is, it says in, in Tanya, that Hashem created a person in a way that our thoughts, our mind controls the heart. Our mind controls the heart. We're able to, we're in complete control to what we want to think about. We're able to think about whatever we want to think about. And Hashem also created us with another interesting thing. It's impossible to think about two things at the same time. Most people. Some, there are some exceptions. I think Avi could do it. Because Avi is upstairs and downstairs right now at the same time. So, but but uh, in general, most people, they can't, they can't um, think about one, two things at the same time. And, and the, uh, the, if you're able to, you know, take, take a moment in your life that you're very happy about. Something that, that, that make, makes you really feel good. And you put that in 3D, you know, into your brain. And you enter that zone, and you go back to that place, and that happy place that you were in your life, 
You can't have, what amazing thing happens, you can't have two thoughts in your mind at the same time. You feel good. You, should, you have to play that, that scene you know, with surround sound in 3D and, and go deeply into the moments of your life that, that, that you feel really happy about. And that what will happen as a result, you will not feel so jealousy. Those thoughts of jealousy won't be in your head at that time. You think about what, what you have in those moments in your life that, you, that God gave you something. That's, that's one tool that you could use. Baal Shem Tov says you are where you want to be. So you're able to direct your thoughts to think about Moments in your life where you're really, really happy, and something really, really, really that's really special to you, but it's it's still not fully satisfying the question because that's just a gimmick, you know, it's just a thing that you're doing right now. The question is addressed from a deeper place: Where does jealousy come from? Why did God make jealousy, and what do we do with it? I know that uh, everyone's looking at their phones already, uh, so we have to go very quickly to get to the answer to these questions. Otherwise, the guys going to walk away without without the answer. Um, let, 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 let's first say this. Let's first say that you cannot control your thoughts to say, I'm not going to think about something. If I say to you, don't think today about red elephants, you know what's going to happen? All day you think about red elephants. You can't decide, don't think about this. The only way you could control your thoughts is first of all to put them somewhere else. That's number one. That's the first thing we're saying. And also you look at the whole picture of another person, you won't be so jealous. Okay, but... The problem is, why put down another person to make yourself feel good? Like, jealousy has its merits. If I'm jealous of someone's wisdom, I'm going to become smarter. The, the, the top um, uh, champion of gymnastics in Israel, he was he visited a, a uh, shliach in Israel, Chabad Rabbi there, and he said, and the Chabad Rabbi asked him, tell me, how do you do it? How do you do, do you like look at what everyone else is doing and say, I'm going to be the best, I'm going to be better than everybody else? He said, no way, it's not what I do. I try to say to myself, how can I be better than myself? I don't try to challenge myself to be better than other people. I say to myself, how can I be better than myself? The Talmud says, if without jealousy, no one will get married. No one people with, jealousy has a force. The Gemara says that with jealousy, there's more wisdom. Because you are jealous, you, it, has, it has a force. The question is what you do with that force. I'll tell you one story, let you guys go. There was a, uh, in, in, the, in the first uh, years, in Israel, uh, there's a lot of poverty, and there was one man who went to this wedding. Those days, they didn't have a shekel; they had lirot, right? And uh, there was a wedding. I think it was twenty thousand lirot. This guy is sitting there. The wedding of a, a rabbi, a Reb Anshul. Reb Anshul made a wedding for his daughter. It was his youngest daughter. It's a huge wedding, twenty thousand lirot. Fantastic. He's sitting there by the wedding. Yosef is sitting there by the wedding. Yosef says to himself, "This is a great wedding." And you know what, Nagielo, he deserves such a great wedding. This Arab Anshul, so nice to everybody, he helps everybody. I'm also going to marry my daughter off in two months. I'm not going to make the same kind of wedding. I can't afford such a wedding. But you know what, I'm happy for him. This is great. You know, he walks out of the wedding hall, and he's going home with his wife. He says to his wife, hey, wasn't, this, wasn't this a great wedding? Oh, she says, this is a fantastic wedding. What a wonderful wedding. And he said, yeah, this, we're not going to have the same kind of wedding for our daughter. But it's going to be something special. His wife is really a tzaddikah. She's really like a very righteous person. She's always helping people. And, and his wife suddenly turns to him and she says, why can't we have the same kind of wedding? <laughs> and he's like, whoa. I mean, and there's like silence, silence. Like he has no to tell her. Like she knows why they can't have the same kind of wedding. She knows what the tax bracket is. What is she saying? So there's silence. And then he suddenly like breaks the silence and he says, because we can't afford it. Everyone should do what they could do. And she's like, why can't we do it? 
He says, because weddings are made with money, and we don't have the money to make this kind of wedding. So she says, no, weddings are made with desire. You want to do it, you could do it. So, so he's not to do. So he goes home, and he's like all down. And the next day he goes to the synagogue to pray, and he's saying something to him at the end of the prayer. He starts to cry without even thinking, like, 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 he doesn't, it's, not, it's a different woman, the one, the one he married. Who, who is this lady? What is she saying to him? And she, he comes home after the prayers, and she's sitting there, and she said, oh, the, the um, owner of the hall called. The owner of the hall called, we made a reservation for our daughter's wedding. He called, okay, let's, let's go see the hall. Let's go together to see the hall. Let's, let's, let's make a reservation. She says, well, you can go. I'm not going to go. I'm not going to get my, marry my daughter off such a hall. In fact, I'm not going to get even a new dress for the wedding. Such a wedding like that, I'm not going to be involved at all. You make the invitations. You invite who you want to invite. I'll show up with my, my weekday dress like I always wear, my Shabbat dress, whatever I have. And that's it. I'm not going to be participating in this thing at all. This guy has no idea who this lady is. Who is this lady? So he decides, you know, I'll, do, I'll, I'll go to the rabbi. The rabbi will understand. The rabbi will side with me. I'll tell my wife I spoke to the rabbi. He got, the rabbi at that time in Yishlaim was Rabbi Shmuel Salant. It was Rabbi Shmuel Salant. And he says to him, what's going on? And so he says, well, what does she say? She says, it's our only daughter. It's our daughter deserves better. She's a really special girl. So the rabbi says, doesn't she deserve better? <laughs> What's the rabbi want from him? What are you talking about? And, he's like, and he says, yeah, but I don't have the money. What do you want me to do? He says, listen, your, your wife is asking you for this. She, she ever asked stuff like this for you before? She says, no. So give this to her. Once in your life, go out of your box and give this to her. He has no idea what this rabbi wants from him. He goes yeah. home and he tells his wife what the rabbi said. And there, his wife is like, no, what, you, you, where, where have you been? He said, I went to the rabbi. Oh, what'd you, what happened to the rabbi? I asked him, I told him our conversation, I asked him who's right, and he said, what do you say? He said, you're right. Of course I'm right, <laughs> you know? <laughs> anyway, so, so what do you want me to do? I mean, like, how am I supposed to pay for this wedding? I'm going to go to the hall, and he's going to ask for a down payment for the, for the hall, and well, how am I going to pay him? You can't pay a hall with, with a good desire. She said, listen, if you make the wedding, then I'll come, you know, like... <laughs> So, so, so he said, okay, I'll go borrow money. I'll go borrow money. She says, she says no, no, no. You bring cash. We're not bringing, making it until we have cash. Go get cash. So he has no idea what he's going to do, but he really turns the world over, and he makes, and he gets the cash, brings the cash to his wife. His wife figures out what, the, what it will cost to make the wedding, like an Ancho made a wedding. He gets all the cash together. He comes back to his wife with, somehow, like a Tzaklapta Heishayinah. Tzaklapta Heishayinah is, we did the Heishayinah before Rosh Hashanah, before Simchat Torah. And you have those willows which are broken in pieces. That's how he is. Comes to clap, they shine with the money. Okay, we're ready. Let's say here's the money. Let's make the wedding. He said, "Okay, we're not. This money isn't for us." He said, "What do you mean the money is not for us? What, what, what is going on now? What are you talking about?" He said, "Listen, there's an orphan, and she has to get married, and she has no money. She needs everything from A to Z. There's nothing that they have. They need. need they need to." From the bottom, everything. They need a place to stay. They need, they need clothing. They need orchestra. They need food. They, they, they need to make a wedding. And she's looking at him, and she has this look in her eyes, like this happy look. Like, she never looked so happy in her life. Like, like when, they got, when, when they had their first child, she looked so happy. She's so happy. She's, What's going on? She says, listen, I wanted to ask you to help this orphan couple. But I knew that what are you going to do for this orphan couple? You give them a thousand shekel, two thousand shekel. What are you going to do already for them? But I want to use the money that you collected for our daughter to make a simple wedding that we planned originally and all that's left over I want you to use that to help this orphan couple so she said if I would have asked you for that you would have given a thousand two thousand shekel 
But I want you to look at this, that this is not just a couple, this is our family too. And therefore, all that great energy you use to make our wedding be like our Ansel's wedding, we should make, make this, this orphan couple should be the way they, they need to be. So the Torah does give us... Sadiq. Sadiq. So the point is, Hashem gave us with, created us with different midot. Midot means character traits. But the Hebrew word for character trait also comes from the word midah, which means measurement. A certain amount of things Hashem gave us and feelings and, and, and perspective. And the question is how we use those things. So Hashem wants us, He created sometimes you have in your feeling in your heart like, I want this, why can't I have that? And it creates an empty space in you. It's God talking to you. What's your answer to that? How do you respond to this feeling of jealousy? What do you say to that feeling of jealousy? What, 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 what's, what's the right answer? You feel jealous. It says that before a person's born, four days before he's born, God already announces, Sas Parsakar is going to marry this and this pharmacist, I mean, whatever, whatever, whatever she was doing. Anyways, not important. But four days before you're born, there's already announcing who you're going to marry, where you're going to live. You have your role in this world, who you're supposed to be and what's supposed to happen with you. Be, being jealous means you don't really value that God believes in you, that God has importance for you, that you're something that you're supposed to do. The first Ten Commandments is, I am your God. I made you, and I care about you, and I know who you are, and I gave you what you need to do, your mission, where you are, and what your mission is, no one else is going to do. But every time it rains, the Talmud says, there are no two raindrops that are exactly alike. Every raindrop is different. So believing that God created me where I am with what I have is the key to not being jealous. The, the, Ebenezer puts it this way. He says it this way. The analogy is going to make you lose the point, but I'll try it anyways. Then Ebenezer says, just like a, a simple farmer won't want to marry the princess, because he knows the princess is not for him. In a similar way, the, the, the depth of what he's saying, forget about the analogy, the depth of what he's saying is that Hashem created you as an only child of His for a mission that you need to do, and by you focusing and believing what Hashem has given you, that will take away the jealousy. Hashem believes in you and where you are. Let's say it in two sentences. Number one, you're able to control your thoughts by putting other thoughts in your head. Number two, you have, if you feel jealous of someone, you have to answer that jealousy and say to yourself, Hashem is telling me something. I don't believe in myself enough. I don't believe in myself enough. And number three, you could use that power of jealousy to make yourself better. Torah says, be, be, we should run as fast as a, 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 a deer to do the will of Hashem. Can't be a deer. Not supposed to be a deer. But you've got to learn something from the deer. I learned from you. You do your mission. I can't do what you're doing. But I could take a page from your book and apply it to my book. Everyone has something to teach me. So the bottom line is that Hashem owes us a unique mission in this world. That we've got to get the mission done. And we've got to have a lot of simcha and chayas and, and be happy where we are. L'chaim l'chaim. L'chaim l'chaim.